The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by U.S. Bank, the power of possible. Learn more at usbank.com newsroom. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, August 7th. In today's news, big tech companies move against Infowars. The U.S. reimposes sanctions on Iran. And the First Lady's signature initiative struggles to get off the ground. But first, the big idea. An uncomfortable reunion in a Virginia courtroom. Rick Gates, a former senior aide on the 2016 Trump campaign, took the stand Monday in the trial of his former business partner and boss, Paul Manafort, where he admitted to committing crimes on Manafort's behalf while also confessing to stealing from him. In his first hour, Gates cataloged years of illegal activity, saying most of his wrongdoing was committed on behalf of the former Trump campaign chairman, while other crimes were for his own benefit. Gates said that he and Manafort had 15 foreign accounts that they didn't report to the federal government and that they knew were illegal. Gates said that even while he was committing crimes with his boss, he was also embezzling. He testified that he had control over some of the Cyprus-based bank accounts that held Manafort's money, and he created phony bills to siphon off hundreds of thousands of dollars to pad his own salary. As part of his plea deal, Gates said, prosecutors agreed not to pursue charges on those matters. As Gates implicated himself and Manafort in multiple criminal acts, Manafort, who could spend the rest of his life in prison, gave the cooperating witness an icy glare. The two men, who were close colleagues for a decade, hadn't been seen in the same room since February, shortly before Gates agreed to the plea deal. The 46-year-old Gates looked at everyone in the courtroom. The judge, the lawyers, the jury, reporters. Everyone, that is, but Manafort. Lawyers say that special counsel Bob Mueller's team of prosecutors must establish that Gates is credible before Manafort's lawyers get the chance to cross-examine him. In their opening statement, Manafort's team made clear that their strategy is to go after Gates by painting him as an opportunist who's trying to avoid jail time by pinning his misdeeds on Manafort. There were a few other notable developments in the Russia investigation yesterday as well. Trump's legal team is drafting a letter to Mueller outlining their reluctance about allowing any questions related to obstruction of justice for the president. Rudy Giuliani, the president's lawyer, tells us that he expects this letter to continue the negotiations rather than formally decline Mueller's request for a sit-down. He added that the president himself still hasn't made a decision. And a legal fund that has been created to help Trump aides who have been ensnared by Mueller's investigation raised $180,000 in the last three months, according to new filings. Today's Wall Street Journal says there are several problematic features of this including the fund's acceptance of cash from limited liability corporations, which mask the true source of donations. The filing also doesn't identify any Trump associates who are getting cash from the fund. In previous administrations, such as Bill Clinton's during impeachment, the beneficiaries of these legal defense funds were clearly identified. So we don't necessarily know who's giving all the money and who's getting it. Meanwhile, Senator Rand Paul, the Republican from Kentucky, has traveled to Moscow this week to offer support for Trump's coziness with Vladimir Putin. He announced while visiting the Kremlin yesterday that Russian lawmakers have accepted his offer to visit Washington as early as this fall. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, tech giants Apple, Facebook, YouTube, and Spotify have all moved to penalize InfoWars host and conspiracy theorist Alex Jones, for repeated violations of their hate speech guidelines. 
Late Sunday night, Apple stripped the majority of podcasts published by Jones's site from iTunes and its podcast apps. Apple's decision came after other popular tech platforms had moved to get rid of Jones's offending content. But Apple went farther than the others. Among many other offensive statements, Jones claims that the shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut in 2012 was staged and that the children who were murdered there were crisis actors. In a series of text messages to the Post, Jones called the decisions to remove him and his content, quote, a counterstrike against the global awakening. Number two, ratcheting up tensions with Tehran, the Trump administration, at one minute after midnight today, officially restored the first round of sanctions that had been lifted as part of the 2015 nuclear agreement. Iran will now be prohibited from using U.S. dollars, the primary currency used for international financial transactions and oil purchases. Trade in metals and sales of Iranian-made cars will also be banned, as will permits allowing the import of Iranian carpets and food. Also, licenses that have allowed Tehran to buy U.S. and European aircraft and parts will be revoked. Senior administration officials say the goal is twofold, to prod Iran to renegotiate a new nuclear agreement and to change the government's behavior. John Bolton, Trump's national security advisor, says the president's goal is not regime change. Number three. The launch of Melania Trump's signature initiative, Be Best, has been hampered by a key staffer's departure and the inexperience of other aides. Last week, Trump's 28-year-old policy director, Reagan Headland, a former Hill staffer and National Security Council executive assistant tasked with leading the First Lady's initiative, left her job. According to people familiar with what's going on, Headland brought some policy and congressional experience to the First Lady's office, where few staffers have even the most rudimentary experience in Washington. Headland's departure, which came less than seven months after her arrival, also hints at an East Wing struggling to gain momentum. A person familiar with the situation tells us that she was asked to leave. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, August 7th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.